ensuring the safety of the meals served on board your business aircraft. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. Monday, June 7th marks World Food Safety Day, an initiative by the World Health Organization to, quote, draw attention and inspire action to help prevent, detect, and manage foodborne risks, contributing to food security, human health, economic prosperity, agriculture, market access, tourism, and sustainable development. Those are important, if daunting, goals on the global scale. But closer to home and to our hangars, there are several meaningful steps business aviation flight operations can take to reduce the risk of food contamination on board our aircraft. And those go beyond washing our hands and keeping on board meals at safe temperatures before serving, although those are certainly important practices too. To discuss this topic today, I'm pleased to welcome Shannon Wiedekamp, Director of Client Services and Lead Flight Attendant for Crew Aviation, and Paula Kraft, Founding Partner at DaVinci In-Flight Training Institute and the Subject Matter Expert for Catering and Food Safety for the International Standard for Business Aircraft Handlers, or ISBA. Paula, what are some of the things you recommend to operators when selecting a catering vendor, and what potential warning signs should they be looking out for? Okay, that's a good question because a lot of times it might not be the operator's choice, but the passenger's choice as to where they want the food sourced from. But you do run into some different problems when you order from restaurants. A lot of passengers like restaurant food, but it has to be ordered differently than we would order it if we were going to take it home. We need all the sauces packed separate, hot food and cold food packed in separate bags. The packaging is of critical concern because it could cause cross-contamination as the aircraft is flying at about a five-degree tilt then the juices and things could come out of the packaging. So the flight attendant needs to be prepared to either repackage the food or provide the packaging to the restaurants that they use. But they need to check to make sure that they've got a food safety score posted. They can go online through the county that the restaurant is located in and find out what their health department scores are. But an aviation caterer is trained specifically in how to produce, package, and deliver food in the safest possible way. So during COVID, restaurants and different other food service operations had to learn what the aviation caterers were already practicing, or at least attempt to learn that. So the best source would be an aviation caterer. But then again, the person that's recommending that aviation caterer, whether it be the FBO or the handler, you need to find out if that FBO has ever been to see the catering facility that they're referring you to. Have they ever asked for insurance liability certificates? Have they ever asked for a copy of a business license, food service permit, workman's comp insurance? So there's a lot of things just to make sure that they're a legitimate operation, that in the event there was a food-related illness, that they could cover and handle that incident. Shannon, what does your operation look for when selecting a caterer or a food supplier? I think there's a lot of companies and departments that have sort of a hybrid when it comes to catering. Many times we're ordering from a vendor, other times we're ordering from a restaurant, and on Part 91 flights, there are meals that are being prepared 
on board in the galley. So there's several different components that go into that. When we're looking at a caterer, especially when we're traveling international, we want to know that they are following good safety practices. So I will look at vetting the operator, the caterer before we travel, getting references, making sure that I know who it is that I'm talking to. And one of the good things about that has been in the past with the NBA flight attendant flight tech conferences that we're able to meet a lot of those vendors in person. So when you pick up the phone, you know exactly who you're talking to. Sometimes you can ask for people by name. So Knowing that they have good food safety practices, uh, that they're following some sort of guidelines or their own internal processes is very important to us. What are some common mistakes made by cabin crew members when preparing meals or handling catered food, Shannon? I think the biggest mistake is underestimating or not checking the temperature of storage. A lot of planes have gasper cooling, so it's not an actual refrigerated unit. You stick your hand in, it may seem like it's cold, but unless you're checking the temperatures in the the actual unit itself and you're going on a long flight, I think that can be potential for food safety issues. Also, the ice drawer, I think, is a big hazard. Uh, it's something that I'm always talking about with, with my employees as far as making sure that you're not leaving the ice scoop and the ice, that when you go to an FBO, you're asking for a bag of ice rather than just bringing out in a bucket to put in the ice drawer. And sometimes you have to take the situation in control and say, okay, I've got Ziploc bags or, or another container that I know is clean that I can put the ice in. That's something that may not really seem to be that obvious at first, that even an unsanitized ice bucket or scoop could be a potential vector for contamination that could turn around and sicken the flight crew and their passengers. Exactly. And I know Paula has been doing a lot of work with the ground auditing for FBOs as far as their storage and just their safe handling practices. Paula, what are you seeing as far as new guidance or regulations on the horizon, particularly as we emerge from COVID-19? There will be quite a bit of changes. The Food and Drug Administration now has realized that food is being put on private jets, which we've kind of been in the background for a long while. So the Food Modernization Act that was passed, I think, back in 2011 states that any person, whether you're an operator, the FBO, a a charter broker, flight department, that you're required to become compliant with some of these new rules then of standards for compliance with the FDA. And a lot of that is if you handle food, and that means ordering it, delivering it, packaging it, receiving it, then you have to be able to trace that flow of food. You are now liable for the well-being of that food. So it's all part of the food chain. Your food chain now has the potential with the FDA coming in and auditing caterers that are doing the food because our food now is going, according to the FDA, across state lines. So it always has, but it hasn't been tested and checked in that respect. So there'll be more regulations for your in-flight kitchens, as well as audits of your FBOs and your ground handlers that we'll see an increase. And it started just before COVID, 
And because of the shortage of inspectors and things, it's kind of fallen to the wayside right now. But I do see and what I read that it will be coming back in the next year. We'll have more in just a moment. But first, this word from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, you get your weekly news here. Are you getting the latest daily headlines? The NBAA Insider Daily News Service puts the news you need in your hands every weekday morning, free of charge. Don't miss out. Subscribe today at nbaa.org daily. We're back now with Paula Kraft and Shannon Wiedekamp and our discussion regarding safe food handling practices on board business aircraft as we mark World Food Safety Day. Shannon, before the break, we discussed a bit about the post-COVID catering environment on board business aircraft. What do you expect we'll see in the months ahead? I think that there are a couple of different variables. If you're traveling with a family, say, for example, in a Part 91 situation where these are people that live in the same household and they're also traveling together, as far as serving, there may not be a lot of changes that they see. But if you're traveling with a company or people that may not travel and live together in the same um, household or work in the same office, you're seeing a lot of individual types of servings and disposable items. So where you may have set out a communal charcuterie tray or a cheese or fruit plate, you're seeing a lot more individual items, individual plates going to the passengers rather than something that they're passing. I think that those flight attendants and and flight technicians too that have gone through the proper safe handling food safety courses know, you know, they're using gloves, they're making sure that there's separate cutting boards for different types of products. So those things hopefully are ingrained in us as professionals. I think where you're seeing a lot of differences are with disposable serving items, disposable plates, perhaps disposable flatware, because you are not necessarily sure, again, whether your dish handling, even at FBOs or on board, is getting the cleanliness that you you need for the COVID protocols. So I think it, it, it too, it depends on whether you're flying for an individual family or corporate group of people that are not related and living under the same roof. Paula, something else that's emerged from COVID is the idea of a ghost kitchen. Now, I've ordered enough meals from Uber Eats and Grubhub over the past year to recognize the term, but for those who may not be familiar with it, what is a ghost kitchen and what role might they play with onboard meals? So a ghost kitchen basically is a third-party food production facility. And it's where private label food is produced. So if you have a store brand or a restaurant brand, they don't produce that in that facility, but they have this ghost kitchen that does the production based on their specs. A lot of national brand things have done that. But during COVID, they popped up enough that they started doing the restaurant production for the takeout deliveries. And they generally work directly with third-party delivery companies like your Grubhub and your Uber Eats and DoorDash, you know, things like that. Because having those drivers come in to pick up food was if the restaurant had any ability to be open, they couldn't have that distraction because it was taking away from the restaurant business. So, but then during COVID when all the restaurants shut down, these facilities 
and I see there's a couple problems that I see and also that the regulatory um, agencies and the FDA and the National Restaurant Association, a lot of the big players see is that because these are small kitchens and they're not where the public can see it because public perception creates the image. So there is no image. They are images of this beautiful fine dining restaurant. It's not of a warehouse type kitchen that might be smaller with a lot of people producing for a lot of different restaurants. So you have accountability because nobody can see the facility to determine whether they think it's clean or whether they think the food is safe. Now, What's happening, because one ghost kitchen can prepare the food for five or six restaurants, there's a potential of cross-contamination of ingredients. And with Medair posting that they have about 3 to 4% food allergy reactions on their in-flight medical calls, that's a lot of potential risk for your passengers. Now, would I take that risk for myself at home? I would probably because I want the convenience, but I would not take the risk of ordering from something that's prepared in a ghost kitchen or through the third-party delivery for my passengers. There's obviously a lot to consider when thinking about food safety on board business aircraft. And Shannon, it's one thing to be able to investigate food providers you may plan to use for a trip down the line. But how can flight crews research a caterer or a food supplier while in the middle of a trip, perhaps under tight time constraints? A lot of flight attendants and flight technicians are using social media apps to ask those questions. And I'm sure that there's the same with a lot of schedulers and dispatchers. If you happen to be in a location that you're not familiar, and especially with the COVID-19, the past 18 months, a lot of these smaller catering operators, unfortunately, have closed their doors. Hopefully, for some of those, that's temporary. But you may encounter a situation where somebody you used all the time, you get to that city and find that they're not no longer in operation. So finding ways to utilize the social media forums is a very good way to get those recommendations from other flight attendants. I think it's also important that if you have time when you're in a city and you don't have a specific uh, caterer you're using, give them a call. A lot of times they are very, very happy to have you come by and just see their their kitchen, talk to them, and again, get that face-to-face contact. What other tips would you recommend, Shannon? I think the, the first and most important is that not just the flight attendants, but schedulers and dispatchers and the other flight crew members take a food safety course, a serve safe course. Different states have their own departments, you know, the food safety department that give courses. That gives a good overview of how to safely store food, things that you need to watch out for with cross-contamination and just a a wide variety of things that a lot of people don't think about when they're handling food. I think the second most important thing is to make sure that you are handling food in a safe manner with the use of your cleaning products and your using gloves, making sure that your products are safe to be used 
with food and with the aircraft surfaces. And probably the the third most important thing is to pay attention to your passengers' needs as far as any types of allergies that they may have, especially if you're flying with a 135 group and you're a contract flight attendant. You may or may not have that information available to you. So you want to make sure that your passengers don't have any food allergies that you would need to be concerned about. And just to reiterate an important point made in this episode, Paula, crews really need to be mindful of just how interconnected the aircraft environment is. Even a dirty air stair handrail might affect the safety of the meals you're serving on board. It absolutely can, not to mention the critical things for the aircraft are time and temperature. So there's lots of different things and they can all be mitigated. Nothing's impossible. And a private jet is not a perfect environment for food safety. So we have to think outside the box. We have to come up with alternatives and solutions that work in the environment that we're in. And it might not be 100%, but it'll be better than no mitigation of it. If we take on the responsibility to provide food or to provide training or to provide service for the aircraft. We are taking on an obligation to make sure that our passengers, who are the people that make our economies work, they are the people creating jobs and building businesses and helping all of us live. We survive and have jobs because of these individuals. So it's our obligation to make sure that when they get to their destination, that they are healthy, they are alert, they feel great, they've had a good night's rest so that they can make those deals that could potentially mean thousands of new jobs or new plants, new facilities. If they come into a meeting and they're not all together, it might not be the same outcome than it would if we had met our obligation to them. We may not think about proper food storage and handling as often as we do other safety considerations, but they can be every bit as important as maintaining safety and proficiency across any other aspect of your flight operation. For specific guidance about handling food on board the aircraft in the COVID environment, visit nba.org forward slash catering. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store. Wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.